So we have six additional extra dimensions. And this bubble expands, so you immediately will be vanished. In some parallel world, A is happening, and some parallel world, B is happening. As we measure our own universe, and more and more, more precisely, and more different quantities, then we kept learning that our universe is very special. You're listening to Widdishin's podcast, where we take the ultimate sci-fi themes found in books and movies and discuss them with the world's leading scientists, engineers, and experts. This week's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors and preferred retailers, Wordery and The Book Depository. And the bookiest theme we're reflecting on this week is The Man Who Folded Himself by David Gerald. Now, The Man Who Folded Himself is an awesome time travel novel that was nominated for the Nebula Award for Best Novel in 1973 and then the Hugo Award for Best Novel in 1974. So I know it's a bit of an old novel, but it is one, if you're interested in time travel, that you must read. The link to The Man Who Folded Himself can be found in the show notes. My name is Amy Rose, and in this episode, I speak with Professor Yasunori Nomura, who is a director of the Berkeley Center for Theoretical Physics and a professor at the University of California, Berkeley. He also serves as a senior faculty scientist at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and principal investigator at Kavli Institute for the Physics and Mathematics of the Universe, the University of Tokyo. Yasunori and I talk about a lot of things, parallel universes, six or so dimensions and the ability perhaps in the future if technology allows us to peek inside the universe within a bubble. Let's have a listen. This whole episode is about multiverses and there's so many opinions from sci-fi to movies to science, about what a multiverse actually is. But before we get into that, maybe you can tie it in how you got into this topic and then what it actually is. Yeah, okay. As a child, I'm interested in something like universe and so on. That's true as a general interest. But the reason I just went really into the physics and especially like cosmology and the multiverse is a bit later I read some public books when I was a junior high, the middle school kid, and then I met some good people, high school teachers, and then impressed by the subject. And that's the way I really entered to real research in physics. The multiverse becoming more uh, well-known in the past, I would say, 20 years or 30 years, and then it started becoming more and more plausible as the way nature works. And I decided to work on that. And I noticed some something about some connection of whatever people call it, cosmic multiverse with the, some quantum mechanical parallel world. And I was fascinated by that and I was excited by that. And then I made some claim or theory. So that's my own history. Can I just stop yeah. you there? What was your claim or your theory? Okay, yes. The one thing that's related with what the multiverse is, there is... As you said, many versions of it, and one standard thing in cosmology is the following version. 
And that is different from what is called quantum mechanical parallel world. But I realized that cosmological multiverse and quantum mechanical parallel world are essentially the same thing in a specific mathematical sense. Let me go into what, the, what those are, each of them. Mm-hmm. And the story about the cosmic multiverse is the following. We developed a certain theory of so-called quantum gravity, especially string theory, that was designed to address the question of unifying so-called quantum mechanics and gravity. Unifying these two concepts is surprisingly difficult, but string theory is a leading candidate to do that. And Mm -hmm. according to this theory, the dimension of space is not three as we perceive in a usual way, like X, Y, Z, but it's actually nine, or depending on how to count, maybe 10, but uh, uh, it's nine. So we have six additional extra dimensions. And that is is a very strange concept, but it's not as strange as you might think. Suppose you think about the seat of paper, a paper, then you usually say this this is a two-dimensional seat because X and Y, two numbers are enough to specify the location on the seat. Okay? So that we, call, we say the two dimension. But it's not really true because the paper has thickness. So mm. if you're very, very small, then you have to also specify in the thickness direction where you are. Okay? So it's actually three dimensional, but one dimension is very small. Okay? The thickness direction is very, very small. The other two are quite big. Similarly, this theory says that our three dimension is a big one, but we have six very small dimensions. And depending on the shape of this six small dimension, our small three-dimensional world looks different because we're looking at the world which is averaging this six dimension, like sheet of paper, right? We only, only perceive this as two dimensions. According to this theory, you can compute it, and if the six-dimensional extra dimension takes different shape, then it looks like our space has different elementary particles or different properties of elementary particles or different constant in, in nature and different forces. So those are like different universes. Whoa, okay. Yeah. That was a prediction. Of course, people didn't care about that prediction, but for some reason, which I may be able to come back, people really start paying attention to that again. And then in this theory, once one universe shows up, like our own universe, and we have like atom and something called quark and lepton, certain elementary particle with a certain mass, electron, and so on. If the shape of the six-dimensional direction is different, then we may not have even photon, we may not have even uh, electromagnetic force, we may not even have electron, or we may have electron with a different mass, and so on, a lot of variety. And those different universes pops up like bubble, bubble in the water, boiling water. So in our universe, next universe shows up, and inside that, the property is completely different. <laughs> and inside that bubble, another bubble shows up, and inside that, and yet different elementary particle species or different forces and different properties and so on. Okay, so you're saying that within the six dimensions, that's how we find other universes within our own universe? Yes. But we may not perceive six dimensions because all of these universes, suppose six dimension can be, for example, small then the way we perceive that the shape of six dimension is different is just through the property of, say, elementary particle and forces. Yeah? And those things are completely different in different universes. 
Do we have to be really, really, really small? Do we have to go really microscopic? Yes, to be able to really. The way we sense is that like property, which is averaged after six dimension. So that means that that is reflected, like what kind of force we feel, what kind of elementary particles we have, what kind of mass those elementary particles, say electron, have, and so on, so on. So to be able to really investigate it, our engineering and our technology needs to improve for you to really hone in on these other universes? Yeah, suppose we could create other universes that we can jump in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we think is a physical law, like, for example, electron may not exist or something. So we immediately will disappear because we are made out of electron quarks and so on. So we should better not be able to do this. No, <laughs> not until we're really ready. That's right, that's right. But maybe <laughs> we need universe but then yeah. this bubble walls, bubble shows up, okay? And the inside bubble, it's a different physical law, and this bubble expands, and then it hits you. So you immediately be, will be banished. So this will be probably a most peaceful way to have an extinct or something. You, you probably wouldn't notice. It's a right away, it's just wiped off. Okay, that's the version of the cosmological multiverse. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that all these process of creating different universe is in fact a probabilistic process according to something called quantum mechanics then only theory can predict is a relative probability of things to happen. That's what it's called quantum mechanics. That was checked by experiment so precisely, no room to doubt. And in quantum mechanics, then if you have a multiple, multiple, a lot of experiments, then you see the nature, but some of the experiments goes to some result and some others go to some other result. If it's only one, probabilistically you can have it, the result maybe A or result maybe B, but only one of them happens. So what yeah. we think is that this is really A and B is happening. Both are happening because if you prepare a lot, then both are happening actually. So both are happening, but in a splitting world. In some parallel world, A is happening and some parallel world, B is happening. And the probability of splitting into A and B is what the theory is predicting. So the quantum mechanics is the parallel universes. Yeah. Sort of theory. And with these parallel universes, there's also this theory that obviously every action that you take, there's a probability that you will do it or you won't do it. And then the fact that you didn't do it, that you continue on your path, but in a parallel universe, you actually did do it and you're going on. So can you explain whether or not that's actually like a thing that parallel universes yeah, do exist. Yes. But as long yeah. as it's allowed by physical fundamental law, but as long as it's allowed, it's happening both. But you may say, oh, that's just your guess. Okay. But if in a very small system, like one electron, then you can make that electron to have two different locations in a two parallel world. Like one, in one world, the electron is at A. In the other world, electron is the B, and later you can interfere these two worlds and you can see interference pattern. So if you conclude that only one of them is realized, the other is just a fiction, then you cannot explain even this experimental factor of interference. But we don't feel that that things, right? I mean, a parallel world, me and current universe, me talking to you, don't interfere. Okay. The reason is simple. The theory also says that it they don't interfere. So theory's prediction is that 
we don't interfere too much. The reason is the following. Suppose the probability of electron to interfere with electron in parallel world is 1%. Yeah, only 1% of the chance it interferes. Oh, but then okay. about the system of the two electrons, this two electron system to interfere with uh, two electron system in different universe or parallel universe is 1% times 1%. That's 0.0001 and point. But if it's an electron has a three electron system, then 1% times 1% times 1%. So it's a very small probability to interfere. And our body, even brain, was made out of so many particles. <laughs> so it's a probability of me to interfere as something like me in the parallel universe was extremely small. And so it's completely negligible. So that's why for these kind of big guys like me or you, and as parallel splitting, we won't feel. Okay. And then going back to what I said, my claim, my theory is that this corner mechanical parallel world was originally set by, uh, say, Everett around the 60s, uh, 1960s. And the cosmological multiverse was relatively recent, like different bubbles shows up and different six dimensional thing, different universe property of the universe, those things show up. These two phenomena, these two phenomena is actually essentially the same thing. <laughs> the both of them. Yeah, they're, ve- they're very related. Yeah, and then it's a se- in certain specific sense, it's it's the same phenomenon. One is like just a measurement, like a electron smashing electron with antiparticle. The other case is a bubble nucleation in the space, which is a huge, very large scale phenomenon. But its sense, essence is the same. Both are quantum mechanics. Both are dictated by quantum mechanics, and you can describe in a certain unified way. That's that's what I did. And so you're studying all of these multiverses and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> I mean, I've been researching it as much as I can. And there's not a lot of people who are involved in the research. How do you get the funding for it if no one's, no, it must be so difficult for you. No, no, but, but this is a standard science thing. Somebody say multiverse is like religion or something. It's different. For example, the way we started thinking the multiverse was the reason was the following fact we measured in 98 and stuff. So as we measured our own universe and more and more, more precisely and more different quantities, then we kept learning that our universe is very special because theory could have a lot of parameters. You can change the property of elementary particles slightly, but then everything's gone. No galaxies, nothing. So to have anything interesting, our universe seems to be seems to have to have very specific properties. And then we look back at the equation of the string theory and so on. And then we realize later, historically, by the way, in hindsight, that the theory contained extra dimension, theory contained all the multiverse already, which we were kind of ignoring. <laughs> so that made us convincing that, uh, all right, equation was telling us without us noticing it. But now we make a measurement and we start learning. It's a very special our own universe is very special. This seems to be the only way to understand that without introducing creator, the creator. And then if you look back at the equation, it looks like it was already there. And, and that, that happens not just a string theory called inflationary theory was also predicting almost this kind of multiple universes picture. And the quantum mechanics was also essentially the same thing. That's what I said. So it looks like every piece of the puzzles uh, seems to be pointing in the same direction. You know, we have a parallel universe. I'm probably somewhere else. Yeah. doing what I'm doing, yeah. to, in the future, to be able to cross over into this other 
universe? Do you oh, think yeah. that's possible? Technologically, probably not, as I said, like, because we are made of so many particles or so many degrees of freedom in a professional language. So the probability of interfere with other universes is so small, it's a mini school, it's almost zero. That's why, of course, it's consistent with what we feel. Yeah? Mm. But a small system, you can do it. For example, for electron or atom, we're already doing that in the lab. But that may not attract you too much because it's just atom. But we are trying to use that kind of uh, things to the computer, computation, because you can send a lot of things to parallel universe computation, and later you can get the result by interference. Boom. Okay? You can just send to the parallel universe a lot of computation. That's called quantum computer, roughly. Okay? So it's not very precise. So... So we can't just waltz into another universe. Do you think it will be possible to view another universe? We might not be able to... It's possible. For example, we cannot go to the other universe. That's true. So somebody may say that, okay, you're talking about something which you can never be there. Is that science? But then what about dinosaur? Okay, We can never go back in time and see the dinosaur directly. Hmm. The fact that the dinosaur was there leaves its imprint to us in the form of fossil and bones and so on, footprint. Of course, you could always say that, oh, maybe UFO made all these fossil and the bones and so on, but the most natural uh, assumption or understanding is that, okay, these creatures was there, were there and left these bones and fossil and footprint and stuff. Okay? Similarly, we have a lot of universes and then our universe is only one of them in the form of bubble. We ourselves cannot go outside the bubble, but from outside the bubble, signatures might in principle come. Okay? Mm. So that can be measured by looking at the sky and make a very precise, detailed measurement of the property of the sky, called, for example, called cosmic microwave background and stuff. And it might show up there or might not. That's the one way. The other way is that our multiverse is not like vague idea that, oh, there may be many universes and so on, that probably thousand years ago somebody said it. No, based on specific theory, like string theoretic and then bubble creation, inflation stuff. So this theory can predict something in our own universe as well. Oh. But then you can indirectly become more convinced about that theory. And through that, so the other consequence of that theory, namely other universes. So that's other way to be making ourselves more and more convinced. And so technology is developing so, 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 so fast. And That's right. So is science. And they're working together and they're moving fast at the same time. So that's why I'm, I'm really excited. But there's another theory from a bunch of, let's just say it's conspiracy theorists, who say that the technology that we receive, because it's moving so fast, is either from aliens or from another dimension or universe who is a little bit further ahead than us because of different, you know, the domino effect in their universe. They didn't do certain things like have heaps of wars and kill each other. So um, we're able to take what's happening there and bring it here. Is that something that as a spectator in another universe, is that something that might be possible in the future? Um, pretty much, uh, for example, our current technology is something we develop, right? I mean, it, for almost sure for me, because it's, by the way, story reminds me that in an era of before Renaissance, and oh, yeah. some, some, right, some big, big construction in Roman era, 
But mm. the people use the ability to make those things again. So people talking, oh, this must be made by developer, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, because we can, I mean, impossible for human to make it. No, you are just free. You forgot these, these technologies and something. I mean, human did it even a thousand years earlier than, than you. And so uh, if somebody who is not really into it and study it and how we make it, and you might feel that way, okay, this is too good. I mean, human must be able to do it. No, yeah. we, I mean, I'm, I'm much more confident on uh, or optimistic about the human's ability uh, in total. It's amazingly beyond the usual people's belief, things will change. So the current status it's just a result of the change we created. Good or bad is a different question, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we just did it. So, do you think that we will be able to view other dimensions though with technology? If the size of the dimension is, is like say ten to the minus eighteen meter, that means point oh 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 oh, and you have eighteen zeros, one <laughs> meter, and then if that size is very small, right in our standard. But big machine called accelerator, the current biggest accelerators in Europe, it's called Sun, and then can probe these small scales. And we already probed up to that scale. So if the extra dimension was bigger than that point oh, 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 one meter, we <laughs> must have discovered. In fact, we didn't. Oh. That's why we had a bound on, or like size must be smaller than that experiment that we have that kind of bound, but we could have discovered. So in that sense, if those dimensions are within reach, yeah, we will definitely see, not in the form that we can move in that direction. <laughs> you have to carefully analyze the data or the collision and so on, but we can certainly see it. And so we're really just waiting on computing power because I know that they are working on the collider and there's quantum computing and all of these yeah. things. So we're waiting on that really, because I really do want to see what's inside, <laughs> as do lots of people. So, yeah, that's really exciting. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, that collider or something is like a small scale. Quantum mm. something is like a precise control, like possibility of interfere with, the say, quote, quote, parallel world. Its quantum mechanics need not be phrased that way, but it's, a, it's certainly parallel world in some sense. Yeah? So probabilistically splitting into different possibilities. In that sense, it's certainly parallel world. And to interfere with other parallel world, to see that, you have to control the system extremely well. So, and the people are making huge progress on that. So we are hoping that we can use this existence of parallel world, in a sense, as a computer. That's called quantum computation. And Google did, and also IBM and so on. I should be uh, uh, in one company, but people already started doing in very kind of toy, small systems. So uh, maybe, maybe obvious in the next generation or next next generation people, oh, of course, computation is done in quantum mechanics parallel world. What well, I mean, it's, of course, the artist's sphere, not the flat. And of course, I mean, that was not obvious in 2000 years ago. I mean, our no. generation... Uh, right, I mean, <laughs> and I mean, it's not even obvious. This is why I'm doing the podcast because it's not even obvious. We talk about it like it's you know, it's normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, it may not be obvious for some musician, uh, but yeah, and it's true, we won't feel that. No, that's right, it's, it'll just happen. Yeah, even that, we won't feel that. But if you can imagine for me, just what do you think the world will look like in 50 years? Will there be oh, some awesome technology yeah. or? 
Yeah, that would be great. If I can have a writing here, I can be a great, I don't know, Stephen or Stephen Hawking or someone. But my guess is that my prediction, which is not fun. I mean, I would, I would say first, a more, most boring answer. But my guess is that some shocking thing is something I cannot even imagine now. The one example was that in the comics, in manga in Japanese, in comics, I read like uh, when I was a child, a lot of like scenes like a car is already flying in the space, right? So driving car in the space and so on. We are not there yet at all. Maybe drone, maybe crosser in terms of just delivering uh, goods, but we are not driving car in space. But on the other hand, we are connecting even at between US and the UK, US and Japan, almost instantaneously, you are tweeting with a cell phone and the pocket. Even those things don't, didn't appear even in manga, comics. Yeah, people not even thinking about it. That's the way things happened. The revolution happened, not in a way that people thought straightforwardly, okay, car is now going to space and so on. It didn't happen that way. But that doesn't mean slower than that in a different direction. <laughs> we really change our life. And that kind of thing just probably happens. And so that by definition, I, I can't predict. <laughs> you can't get out of it that easy. You can't get out of it that easy. Okay, so you're flying cars, maybe, but anything like the way that we live, do you think that we'll be doing things differently or? Okay, already we are entering even amazing thing, right? Maybe you can grow your organ from your hairs or something. And then when you become sick and then you can right plant those things and so on. That's already not even a futuristic, probably matter of time or matter of ethical decision. But that's amazing already. I mean, it's just, right? I mean, you just, you know, take a hairs and give it and then grows, I don't know, liver or whatever, heart, and then you got those things wrong and then you can get that back. From. It's amazing. Uh, I know. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Are, yeah. They're uncomfortable, uh, but they're yeah, amazing. Yeah, so people have to make a decision, yes, ethical decision, uh, whether that's really great or like a bit dangerous thing. But people's sense may be changing, like gene edited, you know, uh, crops and so on. And people, some people say, oh, that we don't know what happens. But then the other people are starving. And then what, you know, which is more ethical, like the people starving, we can do like a genetic change of the crops and can make a lot of more food. But okay, that's not what God designs. Yeah. I mean, it's, we just have to decide. I mean, the both had a point. And then uh, that kind of thing will happen a lot. And I don't know, I cannot, says anything intelligent here. <laughs> <I'm a bit> <laughs> <demonic>. <laughs> uh, That's okay. You've said loads of intelligent things, yeah. so it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I, that's the end of our interview. So I just want to thank you for joining me today and oh, okay. answering Thanks. all those questions. It was so good. It was oh, so, great. so thank good. You. Oh, my pleasure. so much for listening to this week's episode with Professor Yasunori Nimura. Until next time, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. Stay safe, enjoy the company of your loved ones, and try not to go down too many rabbit holes like me.